really in the presence of God when we read the Word of God. So let's rise and hear the Word of God. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, to Aphia, our sister, to Artichactus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I appeal to you on the basis of love. I then, as Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favor you do will be spontaneous and not forced. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back for good, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one thing more. Prepare a guest room for me because I hope to be restored to you and answer to your prayers. Epiphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings, and so do Mark, Astarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Let it be so. Thank you. Let's say that it's your birthday, and you have some people over at your place to celebrate, and as people are taking their leave earlier rather than later, you say, hey, thanks for coming. That was nice. And their response is, well, I, you know, I felt obligated to come, you know, being friends and all. Someone else says, well, I wasn't planning to come at first, but I figured I ought to. And somebody else says, I just thought I probably should. Happy birthday. How do you feel? 
Or maybe, son, I'm only at your game because I want to be a good dad, and apparently this is the kind of things that dads do. Husband, hey, I brought you some flowers on Valentine's Day, just like I did on your birthday, you know, just fulfilling my obligations as a husband. Or consider instead, it's your birthday, and your friends go out of their way to come and celebrate. Are you kidding? We love you. We wouldn't miss your party for anything. Sorry, I can't make the meeting. My son has a game, and I never miss a game. Happy Valentine's Day, honey. I didn't bring home any flowers because I thought tickets to the symphony followed by dessert at that Italian place that you love just might be as good. And I invited your mother. What about, well, there's no one to teach this class. I guess I'd better. Teach a class? Absolutely. I'd love to do that. I better work some element of outreach into my life. God has given me so much, the double punch of forgiveness and material blessings, I'm going to burst if I don't find some way to pay it forward. I said, better get up and go to church. I haven't read my Bible for a while. Maybe I should cram a few verses in before I you know, go to sleep. God, I can't believe how great you are. I don't love you like you deserve, but I do love you. I'm coming to your party, and I'll bring flowers. I'm bailing on my meeting just because I want to be where you are. Teach a class. If you're asking me, absolutely. Here, I did this for you. I know it's not much, but I hope you like it. Question. When it comes to doing good, what is a better motivation? Heart? Or obligation. Philemon is about doing what is needed, not because, not because it is right and one should do what is right, but because, because one's heart wants to do what is good. Philemon is a great little book. This is not Paul's contribution to an anthology of doctrinal essays. Paul did not set out to write scripture. This is a letter. As he wrote, the Holy Spirit was active in Paul's heart and in his pen. And so this is part of God's word to us. But this letter is unique among Paul's other writings. Paul wrote other letters to individuals, Timothy, Titus. But there he's writing as a mentor to a protege. They're instructive letters primarily, but Philemon is different. It's personal correspondence from one class, from one friend, to the other. Paul is writing to his friend Philemon on behalf of Onesimus, a slave of Philemon's who's run away to lose himself in the metropolis of Rome, but he's somehow come into contact with Paul. Onesimus has apparently become a follower of Jesus, and integrity demands that he return to Philemon. And Paul is writing this letter to remind Philemon that the dynamics have changed. As a Christian, Philemon's relationship to Onesimus is on a different footing. They are brothers in Christ. And if Paul had written it today, here's how it might have sounded. Dear, and I mean that, 
Philemon. To Aphia, too, you're like a sister. And also to Archippus, you are in the trenches with us. And to all those that meet in your house for worship, from God our Father and Jesus our Lord, grace and peace to all of you. Whenever you come to mind while I'm praying, I immediately thank God for you. I thank God because people tell me about your love and the faith that you put into practice toward Jesus and then naturally for all the Christians. I don't only give thanks, though. I also pray that this exercise of your faith will only serve to strengthen your own experience of the good stuff that God has given us so that Christ will be honored in us. You're such an encouragement to so many Christians, including me, and it has always done my heart good just to think about that. So with this in mind, I've got to, in mind, I've got to ask you a favor. I suppose I have the authority to command this, but I'd rather ask it, seeing the love that we have for each other. I'm in jail here because of Jesus, and I'm not getting any younger, so I've got to appeal to you for Onesimus. He's become like a son to me while I've been in prison. You know his name means useful, don't you? Well, even if you had no use for him, he's certainly become useful to me and to you, too, really. I'm very fond of him. And though it feels like I'm giving part of my heart away, I'm sending him back to you. I'd love to keep him here. In a way, it would be just like you were caring for me by letting me keep him here. Hint, hint. But of course, I'd never do that without your giving the okay. Just in case you thought, well, I didn't have much choice, did I? Yikes. I wouldn't want that. I'd rather just have you decide it for the sake of our friendship, not because you didn't have any say. And who knows, maybe he was separated from you for a while, so that when he came back to you, it would be permanently, permanently, and as your brother, not just your slave. And now that he's a Christian, that makes him our brother, but maybe to you even more so than to me. So, here's the ask. Receive him back like you'd receive me if I showed up at your door. Do it for my sake, would you? And if, by the way, he owes you anything, I'll take care of it. I've just taken the pen from my secretary, recognized my handwriting, I'll pay it back. There. You know I'm good for it. Of course, I could remind you that you owe your life to me, remember? So, as brothers in Christ, return the favor. If you did, it would make me happy more than you know. I know you, though. It would be just like you not only to do it, but to do more besides. While you're at it, can you prepare a guest room for me? I think I'll be released pretty soon. Thanks for praying. And when I'm out of here, I'm planning to come and see you as soon as I can. I'd better go. You know Epaphras? Well, he's under house arrest too and says hi. So do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my team. So from my prison, but I'm here for Jesus, so it's all good. Much love. Paul, and from Timothy too, by the way. P.S. May you always know the grace of Jesus. That's Paul's letter to Philemon. And we get to read it. A letter from one dear friend to another. And in this letter, Paul is reminding Philemon of what needs to happen on Onesimus' return. But not only because Philemon should do it, but from higher motives. This is Philemon's only appearance in the Bible. 
So all that we know about him is what Paul has written in this letter. And we can't help but like what we see. Philemon lives in the city of Colossae. And even in Rome, hundreds of miles away, Paul is hearing about him from other Christian travelers. And Paul, when he hears it, can't help but give, give thanks to God. What is it that Paul is hearing? He hears about your love and the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and all the saints. Philemon's love and faith are exercised toward Jesus first and then towards Jesus' people. In John 13, Jesus said, By this, people will know that you are my disciples, toward Jesus, if you have love for one another, Jesus' people. And this is how it should be, naturally, but not programmed, an overflow, but not from obligation. Not too long ago, we walked through on our Sunday mornings together the book of Acts. And there we saw people like Philemon. Acts chapter 4. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to any as they had need. Philemon was that kind of person. And Paul's prayer for Philemon is that in this sharing of his faith, Philemon's understanding of all the good things that are his and ours in Christ will only grow. And the sharing of faith that Paul mentions is not evangelism, but the literal sharing of faith. Sharing with the Christians because of his allegiance to Christ. And so it is with us. We know what God has done for us, and we're amazed by it, and we love him for it, and that love is expressed by our loving of those who belong to him just like we do. By far, by the way, most of the biblical instructions to love, to encourage, to care for the poor, to look after widows, and so on, are directed to God's people and their relationships to one another. We are, of course, commanded to look beyond in our care for people. But the New Testament gives a far greater emphasis on our love and care for each other. And when we do that, we are merely reflecting the character of God. It's an expression of our unity, which is how the world will know that we are Christ's disciples. And it is precisely this that characterized Philemon. And this gave Paul a great deal of encouragement. I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Has your heart ever been refreshed by somebody? A couple of weeks ago, I took a week out of the office here and to do some pre-study work on a bunch of these sermons that are coming up. And I spent the week at Samaritan's Purse, their office here in Calgary, where they graciously gave me a cubicle with a desk that I could just work at. And in the hallway one day, I ran into somebody that I knew, and she asked me how I was doing, and then told me that they had prayed for me in their staff meeting that morning. A group of people, most of whom I did not know, were praying for me. When Carl Grebe, a missionary that we as a church have supported for many years, 
died, many people, including this congregation, contributed financially to enable his family to fly to Cameroon for his funeral. There are some people from this congregation who have made the trip to Edmonton this weekend so that they can be at the funeral of Dwayne's dad just because they want to be there as an encouragement for Dwayne, and so on. This is the saints caring for each other. This is what we do. This is what Philemon was doing. And this is the kind of thing that caused Paul's heart to swell with joy. So after this affirmation of Philemon, Paul will now ask Philemon to do something in the same spirit in which Philemon relates to all the saints. There was a young man named Onesimus, a slave of Philemon's who was run away and possibly stolen from Philemon in the process. I should say at this point that slavery in the New Testament is neither affirmed nor spoken against. About 50% of the population of Rome were slaves, but not slaves with which we would be familiar. They acted as servants, they were often treated well, they were even paid, and it was not unusual for a slave to save his earnings to be able to buy his freedom. The economy of the Roman world depended on the reality of slavery, and for everyone to give slaves freedom en masse would have been to spark economic chaos. It would have proved destructive to anybody, master and slave alike. Slavery was the reality in which the church lived. It's worth noting, though, that it was Christianity rightly understood that brought the slave trade in the Western world to an end. And the Christian world that is in our day fighting for justice for slaves. Paul, elsewhere, to the Ephesians, but more notably to the Colossians in Colossae, where Philemon lived, Paul wrote concerning masters and slaves, Slaves, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. Masters, treat your slaves justly. So, slavery was the world. And here's the relationship between a master and slave. And what does it mean for them to relate to each other Christianly. Onesimus has, become in, has come into Paul's circle and has recently become a follower of Jesus himself. And a bond of affection formed between him and, Jesus, uh, and Paul. Paul looks at him like a son. But there is an, an immediate matter that arises from Onesimus' conversion. Integrity demands that he return to Philemon. For Onesimus to return to Philemon as a slave would not be given a second thought in that world. But Onesimus would have given a second thought, unsure of his reception. Philemon might give it a second thought in terms of his willingness to trust Onesimus in the future. And that is why Paul is writing this letter. He's writing as a father to Onesimus and as a friend to Philemon to reconcile these two who are brothers to Paul and now to each other. It's their mutual relationship to Christ that makes them brothers. Christ is the context in which Paul writes and seeks to reconcile these two men. Christ permeates this letter. He's referred to explicitly in 9 out of 25 verses in this letter. And it's because of Christ, receive Onesimus back, 
Paul says to Philemon. And why ought Philemon do this? It is his duty. It is the right thing for him to do. I could command it, Paul says. It would be an exercise of Philemon's obedience to do this. But duty is not what Paul wants to see. Paul wants to see Philemon do what is right because his heart compels him out of love both for Christ and for his friend Paul. And not only is that what Paul wants to see, but Paul is confident that this is exactly what he can expect because it's exactly the kind of thing that Philemon would do. It's another expression of Philemon's love and faith towards Christ and towards others. Though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. Would have been glad to keep him here with me, but I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. If you consider me your partner, receive him as you would me. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. Paul knows Philemon well enough to know that at this appeal from Paul, Philemon's love for Paul and for Christ and all Christians would also be love for Onesimus. For Onesimus comes to him no longer as a slave, but as a beloved brother. And as Philemon has refreshed the saints, so Paul trusts that Philemon will refresh his heart too. Because the reality is that at the foot of the cross, the ground is level. In their social culture, maybe Philemon was the master and Onesimus was the slave, but at the cross, they are nothing more or less than brothers. The cross equalizes. The cross destroys the me-first mindset. Onesimus wronged me, and I'm fully justified in treating him accordingly. Philemon was my master, and I don't want to be his slave. So-and-so insulted me, and until they apologize, I'm not talking to him. Well, he asked for it for what he did to me. I don't like our relationship, and until she changes, it won't get any better. I don't like our relationship, and until he changes, it won't get any better. You're stupid, am not, are too, am not, and so on. All that Paul is saying is what he knows Philemon already knows. It's not that Christians shouldn't be like this, but that Christians are not like this. Philemon, I know you'll do right by Onesimus because I already know you've been doing what is right to all the Christians you come into contact with. And when Philemon receives the one who has run away and owes a debt to him, who does that remind us of? It's precisely the reality between God and us, except that we've run further and owe the greater debt. And when we as Christians exercise that same love and forgiveness, we are being like Jesus. The life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus' death and our forgiveness is the supreme demonstration of God's love. Now, in a sermon, what most of us like to see 
is a single point takeaway. Give me one thing I can apply to my life this week. Have you ever thought that? So here it is. We need to imitate Jesus by showing this kind of love. We need to imitate Jesus by showing this kind of love. Okay, so write it down and think about it for a moment. You thinking about it? Good. What will that look like this week? Who is it that I need to try to love? Jesus is our example. Philemon was like Jesus, and we should be like Jesus too. That's a good application for those of you who like application. Points to Jesus. It's relevant to my life. I can immediately put it into practice, maybe even in 10 minutes, if there's someone here who is hard to love. So there you go. But what is the problem with that application? For me to say, you need to be like Jesus, is to reverse the whole point. It is your duty to act out of love. You are obligated not to do what is right out of obligation. We're supposed to love, uh, we're supposed to love like Jesus, who never loved just because he was supposed to. You see? A loving heart becomes something we aspire to. It's something that we try to get. Are we to be like Jesus in this regard? Absolutely. In fact, it's God's design for us that we are conformed to the character of Christ. But what we tend to think of is Christ as our example. Here are the things Jesus did. We should do them too. Here is the kind of person Jesus was. We should try to be like that too. So bracelets with WWJD written on them. What does WWJD stand for? What would Jesus do? Someone has said that the goal for us is not to do what Jesus did, but to become the kind of people who would do what Jesus did. And what is the secret to that? The secret is not to bring our hearts into line with Jesus. The secret is to receive a new heart. It's not for us to try to act like Jesus. It's to have God conform us to the image of Christ. It's not for us to try to love like Jesus. It is to have the love of Jesus expressing itself naturally through us. It's not our work. It is God's work in us. And by the grace of God, we have been placed in Christ. And no one loves like Jesus does. Not only placing us in Christ, God has given us his own Holy Spirit who carries on God's transforming work in us. And what is the fruit of his spirit? Love. Just about a week ago in our life group, someone shared a past experience. He and a co-worker were at odds with each other to the point where there was mutual hostility. Neither of them wanted to work with the other. And our life group friend either wanted to get transferred or even better, have the other guy get transferred. But he came to understand that what was needed for him was to love his coworker. It's what Christians do. So what did he do? Did he roll up his sleeves and try to love? 
Did he start buying the other guy lunch? Did he put his smile on his face when the other guy was around? What he began to do was pray for this guy. That's all. But what happened? His heart toward this guy began to change. He became, began thinking differently about this guy. He began feeling differently toward this guy. And then when a company leader, executive, called him to get his thoughts about his co-worker, his co-worker was up for a promotion along with a couple of other guys and had to decide which one would get it. So they called this guy, life group by, and asked for some information about this guy. What do you think about him? You've been a co-worker with him for a long time. Now, what did he do? He could have crushed this co-worker's chances with what he told the executive. Six months ago, he would have. But now he couldn't. Because his heart toward this guy had changed. He affirmed him, spoke positively about him, and shared those things that were genu genuinely good about him. And later, the co-worker came to see him and said, I can't believe you did that. We've had such a bad relationship for such a long time. I haven't liked you. You haven't liked me. You could have ruined this opportunity for me, but you didn't. You spoke well of me. And it made such a profound impact on the co-worker and on the man himself. Is there a takeaway for this message? Absolutely, it's this. Roll your sleeves back down. Wipe the sweat off your brow. Go sit under the tree and let God bring you some cold water. If you're doing a ministry from pure obligation or worse, guilt, quit. Leave the room, go upstairs and have a nap. And I'm willing to bet that what will happen is that you'll wake up, go back downstairs, and maybe you'll tap somebody on the shoulder and say, hey, why don't you go up and have a nap for a while? Maybe you'll come downstairs and go to a different room altogether. Maybe you'll even say, you know what? This house needs an addition. There should be a room here. And you'll start working on that, whistling. Maybe after a cold drink, you'll head out back into the field to bring a cup of cold water to someone else out there. Here, I'll help you for a bit. If you get too hot or tired, just go over to that tree. All the refreshment you need is right there. Hey, friend, great party. You deserve it. Son, I love watching you play. I'm proud of you. Let's go get some ice cream. Honey, I love you too. Thanks for the symphony tickets. And let's go, just the two of us. Mom can babysit. Onesimus, it's good to have you back. Hey, Jesus, thanks for the lift home. No problem. It's why I came to find you. You didn't have to, you know. I know. But I wanted to. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, we need your heart. And you're giving it to us. You're shaping it day at a time. And we love that about you. We want to put ourselves at your disposal. Open our heart up to your character and to your action. And love each other, not like we should, 
but like you love us. Remind us often of our own hearts and what is in there. And remind us often of our hearts and that you are in there. This we pray in your precious saving name. Amen. Uh, go from here and live a life of love, giving and receiving. Being part of a community that loves one another. And enjoy it. Live this week with your sleeves down. And go in peace. For the Lord goes with you. Amen.